What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle cup! Hey, behave! This is impressive. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm glad to see you. I, I had heard after your late night post-Kings game, Sacramento party, Bobby Jackson, that you had boarded a plane to Ibiza for the weekend. Uh, but here you are. You're, you're back home. What a, what a I, I, I thought about trip. it. I actually, uh, a friend, I'll call her, that I you know met on the, the thing called the Internet Streets, went out, met her for some drinks. She was at like this work party. She's a little older, but her the people she works with, a little younger, huge fucking fans. Love the show. They're like, Raider guy, been listening since we had the radio show, listen to the podcast. Was this in Sac or out in the East Bay? Yeah, just right down the street from my house called oh, like Mass's Sports Bar. I mean, it was a $5 Uber ride. It was incredible. Uh, big fans. Just wanted, I mean, we were fucking breaking down DK Metcalf. And you realize these guys were locked in. I mean, all they were talking about, combine numbers. And I guess, you know, NFL fans just, if you're on social media and they were big Twitter people, you couldn't help but yesterday a guy that looks like, I like the way DJ summed him up, a human Batman suit. And then he ran a 4-3-40. Human Batman suit. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. One point, did you see? Uh, I saw Lance Zerline on like Friday night when he got measured in. They also do a body fat test, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, he's like, I, I got a similar results as DK Metcalf. It just came in one point six percent. I don't think that's healthy. I, I, <laughs> I thought four was like the ideal for an athlete. Yeah, right? I think under four is not. Your body needs a little padding on it. Yeah, you're just too tight. I'll check with some experts, but I don't. I really, actually, don't think that's ideal. If you had Listen to, to guess, post-high school, the lowest your body fat has ever been? That's a good question. Uh, Mine's probably 25. I, I don't know. I don't even have a baseline. I, I, I honestly... Even, I wouldn't even want to get checked. Yeah. I just, you know, I feel good. You know, you look good, feel good. That's kind of my motto. I don't need, I don't need numbers to define, you know, analytics. No, it would like, fuck like, that. Like weight or... 
Exactly. I, well, <laughs> the only one you ever know is your waist. I mean, and pant legs. Yeah, but length that one hasn't changed for me in uh, uh, yeah. two <laughs> decades. Yeah, the the waist is. It is a good way to feel when you know. I, I still have clothes that I've had forever. Yeah. That you try something on and you're like, I remember I used to have to wear a belt for these, and now I can't button them. You're like, not a good sign. No. And, as you've grown up, you always hear that story. Like, I can't fit into my suit. Or, you know, I can't. And you're like, oh, fuck, I fit into all my clothes. And then you realize, like, God, I'm having the same problems. Yeah, yeah. Does fit mean close it or just put it on? Well, the the one thing you realize when you're not a, you know, just an elite athlete, if you're in good shape for a peak, you know, maybe. Because, like, in my late 20s, I was in pretty good shape. I, I kind of made a bold purchase of a bunch of medium Nike shirts. Because they fit well and they were tight. And now it's like maybe two years ago I put one on. I'm like, I could not leave the house like this. Like there's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I mean, it's just it's ba- I'm wearing a bodysuit. You just leave them goes. up. They're aspirational now. Well, I, but I refuse to throw them away. Yeah. Because I, well, I had a goal in 2019 to not necessarily the shirt, but just a kind of a weight I know to what I like to get around and it'll fit well. Yeah, well, I remember last year we got uh, we got some stuff sent to us from a listener that works for Tigers Foundation, some Genesis Open gear. Did you notice we ever got our package this year? <laughs> and the zip-up was a little tight for me at the time. This is about a year ago, and I was like, you know what? i got to just fit into that. And so, you know, it was a, it was a good – I'd put it on every few months, just like, all right, it's getting a little, little – not looser, but just it's getting more wearable. I was so mad because I, right when you opened the bag – it had a sweet Nike collared shirt. It had some golf stuff that was really cool. But the zip-up was like, especially in the Bay Area, you can wear zip-up every day. I'm like, oh, my, I'm going to wear the shit out of this. And, guy, I could barely get it over my shoulders. Nike can be I, a little narrow. It, it it was one of those where even if my goals and aspirations of what I was never – I had to give it away. I gave it to my buddy Scott Raber, who's uh, also a golfer, but just his body type was meant for that. It was – there was never a goal in sight to fit it on. It was never going to work. This podcast is brought to you by Ease. Did you tell everybody at the SAE night at the, the Kings game on Friday about Ease, John? The problem for a lot of them is they would be repeat customers, and I told okay. them I let, I let them know when, the, uh, when we get another Ham 1 promo code. All right, we'll tell them <laughs> to spread it to their friends. Ease.com. Ease is the best delivery platform to get the best legal licensed, fully tested marijuana products delivered to you. In the state of California, as long as you're 21 or over, you get verified online in minutes, and then you are moving and shake. Yep, just ease.com. Use the promo code HAM. My buddies in Sacramento, my buddies in the Bay Area, you listeners in Southern California. I know, I know we got a little, a little niche following in the Valley, Fresno area. Uh, stock that they deliver all over the place, and if they're not there yet, they are coming. Twenty dollars off your first purchase. So if you already made a purchase, tell a friend. Uh, and if you go over $50, which let's face it is really easy to do. Cause there's so many goddamn good products. You get $50 off or excuse me, over $50. You get free delivery. That's right. I don't wanna, no false. This isn't John rule. No false advertising. <laughs> uh, E a Z E use the promo code ham and you get $20 off your first delivery. Ease.com. Enjoy the moment. Tell your friends. Thanks to ease for the support of the podcast. Thanks for you to the support of the podcast. You know what we got to do guy huh. is, uh, the the person that we worked with for this partnership is based out of LA, but they also their main offices are in San Francisco. They just move offices, 
and a girl that I went to high or excuse me, Cal Poly with her name's Natasha, uh, know her pretty well. She works for East. She's worked for him forever. And when I went to the Kings game on Friday, everyone's like, oh, did Natasha, did, is that how you got the partnership? I'm like, no, I actually didn't realize she worked there until after the fact. We kind of re- just DMing or whatever. I, she takes some pictures. They just moved in on the Embarcadero. Their offices are badass. Really? We got to go. I mean, they, they, the picture she took just on her Instagram overlooked the Bay Bridge. I mean, it's sweet. We get, we're going to have to maybe just go, you know, do a little meet and greet. Just introduce ourselves. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I just want to see these offices. They look badass. I'm all in. By the way, where did you fall on the, uh, on the, since you, since you mentioned, um, Ja Rule? What, did you think the mics were just not picking up all the people cheering, or did you think nobody cared that he was at the Bucks game the other night? Uh, yeah, I'd say that's it, a weird fit. Oh, it's but, 90s night, so they brought in a 2000 star. Ah! I also think there's a rotation. You've done a ban at a lot of NBA games in the last 10 years. There is just once you get in that rotation of just the side hustle, the you know, halftime entertainment, right? Like the the one that you use a lot in the Bay Area, Brian McKnight's in the group. E40 is not, I wouldn't consider, but he might do one just because they ask him to do one. He might be there. But like to me, Brian McKnight, Ja Rule, it probably is a way this guy Let, probably needs to Have some respect for Brian McKnight. You, uh, ja Rule has some hits, guy. Okay, but I'm saying like Brian McKnight can just perform and it's music. Yeah. Like, it's beautiful sound. Yes, yeah. Brian McKnight is much more talented than Joe Rule. I, I would agree. But I'm just saying, he's in, he does the rotation now. Yeah. Uh, I, he, you know? It's different. I mean, I think, I, I, I think, what ja, would you guess like, halftime entertainment if you're a singer like Brian McKnight pays? If you just had to guess, mm, five G's? Uh, I was going to go, no, higher. I was go higher than five? Yeah. My, my, it, my gut, my first reaction was going to be like 20. That might be just, a little. That might be high, but fifteen. Half times fifteen minutes, you play for six. Yeah, I, I mean, I. To me, five would be like. Well, if, guy, if it pays five, that'd be insane. If it's twenty, I I would do three games a week. Right, maybe so maybe it's fifteen or ten, but to me, five like five is. You do I, twenty guys. If you did a game a week, you could just make eighty grand for a month on the side, just doing some songs. Why not? Yeah. I know. That's a good. That's a good little game. That might be my career if I was that guy. Key is you stay out of you stay out of California arenas. <laughs> exactly. I would just play only the Rockets. Sh- yeah. Only <laughs> shows in Florida, <laughs> yeah. Arizona, and Oregon. Did you see the video uh, of Utah State, Nevada? The, yeah, Jordan Caroline after he punched the little fire extinguisher thing. Yeah, I guess. The fan touched him, and the coach said, fuck you or something? Tell, yeah, I, I, I've been trying to find out. Utah. State. But I'm just saying that area. Utah State, Utah, BYU, the, uh, the Jazz. The fans, which tend to be pretty religious, have often somewhat got a pass for, I, you know, I, I've never been to a game there. You've done college games. Uh, Utah still- State. I've never been to BYU. I've been to a BYU game, but it was neutral. It was at the, uh, it was in Vegas. Utah, I've never felt that way. Utah State, I felt like this is in a this is inappropriate. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe 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 I'm lumping the other two schools in with you. No, but Utah I think BYU, had, BYU has that rep too. Like it, it's uncomfortable. Some of the things that are being said, right? Yeah, 
In hoops. Yes, specific, like aggressive. So, but then I watched the video of the court storm. I didn't see anything. But, How many muscle men, uh, five nine white guys, does he have on the staff? Well, it's like Muscleman is afraid of getting assassinated, and he's got all these body doubles on his staff. <laughs> some of the some of the responses to the tweet was like, "How is it possible that the University of Nevada has fifty five coaches? Like, where are what are all these humans doing? There were way more Eric Musselman looking coaches than players. Did it seem that way? <laughs> well, I was like, "Is this is this like a they've." Are they rotating they through? I don't... The guy, they all looked the same. Clean-shaven, jawline, you know, short, perfect hair, and just muscleman, then Bill, then Jim. I, I mean, lost oh. sight of muscleman like three times. <laughs> Which one is he? Where'd he go? I thought he went that way. He's down this hallway? Who's got more 5'10", 180-pound white guys? Kyle Shanahan on a staff or muscleman? Muscleman. Because now, like, did you, I don't know if you saw the point. They were trying to figure out who the guy running the drill was. Like, oh, during the combine. Like, oh. That's D'Amico Ryans. Oh, did you see that? Like, I don't know who is that. Is that D'Amico? Is that D'Amico Ryans? And then they must have got, yes, D'Amico Ryans. So. I'd say D'Amico's a little bit of an outlier on the staff, though. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like. No, I know. He's going through the staff, you know, on a given day. No. Um, He just, I think he just had three or four that really stood out. The one guy that you and I, I wouldn't say laughed at, but when we just first saw him, we're like, what is this guy's deal? Turned out he got kept when Kyle came on, the little DB coach. He's now the defensive coordinator for Ryan Day at Ohio State. Wow. So we uh, – Missed on that know, stuff. I, I don't know if you, if you don't want to take credit for this. I definitely wrote him off the day I saw him. I'm like, this guy, Chip Kelly staff. Well, to, and then it's he's now the defensive coordinator at Ohio State and well thought of. The thing I felt I, was like – I felt like he was coaching and everyone was ignoring him. But apparently that wasn't the case because I think we found out later pretty well respected by the players. Now, the players might respect them. They didn't feel like they were listening to them when they played. But that, I think a lot of things get said by, you know, I think, it, uh, I, I don't know. I watch basketball all the time, and I'm like, I don't know if anyone's hearing half the stuff that, like, all three assistants are yelling at the same time. I don't think anyone's hearing this stuff. I don't think anyone hears anything, really. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's, like, three things, like, hammer home. I watch shoot-around, <laughs> like, pregame walkthrough was taking an hour and a half, and I'm like, I, I don't know if anybody retained this information. There's <laughs> a lot of information, like, Let's run it one more time. It's like, all right, we did it twice today. Hopefully we're all good to go on that slob, John, the sideline out-of-bounds play. I, I didn't pay too much attention to it, but I, I saw the name, and I, I woke up a little later today, so I didn't catch quite the morning workouts, like when some of the, the Rashawn Garys, because that kicked off at 7 a.m. or something. Yeah, Mayock was in the booth. I was talking about Mayock. I was like, Middlecoff's missing out on this Mayock appearance. What time was he in the booth? In the seven hour? Yeah, I got to go back and. Well, I wouldn't. I wasn't up that early. <laughs> okay, uh, Winovich, who uh, is just a Harbaugh, just the ultimate Harbaugh guy, right? Just play every play like it's his last. He, you told me that he was the person he they'd send out to mimic the drill before they do the drill. Well, one of the drills, like, all right, Chase is going to do this half speed. <laughs> if you're that guy, that's an immediate like ultimate scout. Like, does a little note. Oh, he he led the drill. He taught the drill. Yeah, Winovich. There, there, there's that. Like, Bosa's never gonna be that guy, and he, you don't give a shit. Like, why? I don't care. If Bosa teaches the drill. He just dominates the drill. But Winovich is like every step, and and you could just. I would imagine Harbaugh at his house watching the combine, like with a glass of milk, just so proud. Like that, his guy is teaching. Like the guy, the coach 
Winovich, get out here. You just know right away. Like, Winovich, Winovich, Winovich. In fairness to Winovich, because a lot of people, I think, make fun of him, I think the NFL scouts have come around. But if you watch the Amazon Prime show, he's just like this white guy. He's got long hair. He's kind of goofy. But if you watch a lot of Michigan football, he is fucking pretty good. Yeah. Right? Him and Rashawn Gary, it was just a great watch, in part because those two guys, like when they hit game highlights, were just everywhere. Winovich. Winovich and Gary. And Gary. Both of them. That's, that's a pretty good combo. Two how about the, How about the trio of Winovich, Gary, and Bush? Yeah. You realize why their defense was so good. I mean, those guys make every tackle. Let's start there, John, because now I'll, I'll preface this for Daniel Jeremiah's sake. Daniel Jeremiah was not pounding the table, insisting that this is what was going to happen. But he said there's, it's going to be a defensive-heavy first round. And so Eisen just kind of pre- pressed him on it. Just give me a number. Just give me a number, DJ. DJ goes, all right, 23. 23 defensive players in the thir- in the first 32. And, you know, I don't, th- I don't think he said it like he had thought through which 23 it would be necessarily. But that was his gut as he's gone through, I don't know how many big boards and mock drafts, 23 guys. So basically like 75% of the first round, give or take. That'd be incredible. And we still have it Monday. We're recording this on Sunday. Monday will be the DBs. You know, I, maybe right now we definitely think there's one guy. Maybe it ends up, you know, maybe two more guys work the way into the first round then there's three, and maybe that affects that number. So, What well, had um, been talked about as a big defensive draft, it feels like, for a year, Right. Like yeah. a couple of years ago, it was going to be known as the year of the quarterback. Remember when Chris Mortensen said the next year Josh Allen's going to come out and be the number one overall pick? And people are like, who? who? And the, and you also, well, Rosen and Darnold also might be in this draft. So you just realize it was going to be really good. Then Baker came out of nowhere, and that's what it became. And Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson had been good. He had won the Heisman. Yeah. So he was going to be draft eligible. To me, there's I, I, a lot of people – like to re- I, here's my struggle with analytical Twitter. Twitter's like, why won't the NFL be more analytical? Like, what is the combine? It's all it's the whole thing is fucking numbers. That's the NFL has sneaky been analytical from the jump. They just talk like they hate it. The, for, Forty times they're making and breaking guys. That's what the combine is. It's one big number. That's all. Oh my, forty inch vertical. Put them in the first. <laughs> that's, that's the way the league works, but everyone's like they hate numbers. No, they their whole fucking business model is kind of you know based around it. But I, I think you just go, you can me and you could rattle off. Now we're no one, but I just think you get the casual fan that goes, oh that dude from Kentucky, oh Bosa's brother. But Ed uh, Oliver's people have been saying he's going to be a well, great he's the number player one for high school years. recruit three years ago. Yeah, uh, Rashawn Gary was a. I remember oh, yeah. when Harbaugh landed him from New Jersey. It was a it was a big fucking deal, and LSU, uh, Devin White is the star player for LSU. We haven't even mentioned the dude that's like 315 pounds, Quinnen Williams, who was Alabama's best player. Ran what? What'd you say? Four eight one or something? Uh, I think it was like a four eight four. Yeah, I'll check. What'd you say? I again, I might have been a little sleepy. What you said? DJ said like that's number one overall. Level well, DJ just like well, he just put him. He just put his name in the hat for the number one pick. So you, you go okay. Well, who are the offensive guys? We got two quarterbacks that are locked to go in the first. You got one offensive lineman. Sorry, four eight three. Which is absolutely hauling ass for a defensive tackle. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Andre Dillard, it seems like he's going to be a first-rounder, right? I, I'd say, friend, yeah, okay. So we got two offensive tackles. You got Haskins, you got Kyler Murray, you got 
you, Washington State guy Jonah Williams is is J, is uh what's his name Josh Jacobs going to work his way into the first round? No, he's not going to be a first rounder. Um, you got a couple tight ends. Noah Fant ran a four five. He's yeah. in the first round. Did you his, you said DK Metcalf? I have not said him yet. Maybe. Yeah, I think there were some other fringe guys. Nikhil Harry ran four five five. Like it was a really good time for him. I think him the Butler guy ran fast. DK Metcalf. You probably get three or four of those guys, maybe two end up in the first round. Uh, so you know th- there's not a running back. There's I, I would. I will receiver. say this: I wouldn't be sh- just like the way this thing works is really are we ten, get, ten of thir- You know, so maybe the number is ten and twenty-two. Or but I'll also well, say, John, are there really only going to be two quarterbacks in this first round? The other guys feel pretty meh. I know, so, but but they are they do play quarterback. But I also think that you have some guys available. Like, you can just trade for Rosen. You can sign Foles. So some of the teams that everyone thinks are going to need a guy, you know, uh, the Jaguars. Well, they're just going to sign their guy. Yeah. The Redskins, they're desperate. Someone, One of these guys, if Murray goes one, is getting Josh Rosen. So Josh Rosen is just going to be viewed as, by that team, like, this is our quarterback we drafted. We used a second-round pick to get this guy. Did you say – Oh, well, I guess you're naming offensive guys, but how about the uh, Montez Sweat? Did you say his? Well, he's a lock first round. What he ran four two two, fast line. Four four one. Four four one. I saw Field Yates tweeted out like numbers of uh, wide receivers he beat. It's not like he started with the Crabtrees in the four sixes. He started with Amari at four four three. You know, and then he worked his way down to Antonio Brown to four five seven. So the D line record was two guys. I never. Do you, Isaac Hilton mean anything to you? Two thousand four. No. Did you see who the other guy was? In 06? Clowny. Clowny run four. Uh, the record was four point four four for a D lineman. The dude, the uh, Texans took Manny Lawson. Oh, a little Scott McLuhan special. How about that? Well, I. I I think the 40 can be a little overhyped with a guy running 4 4 1 because let's just use the Manny Lawson uh, comparison. Manny was an, a legit NFL starter, but he was never lived up to the billing. Why? Because he was a little stiff. Like some of these guys, so you can run in a straight line, watch football. Guys are moving laterally. I mean, you, you can't just be a stiff guy if I'm going to take you super high, ideally. I, I want a fluid mover. And that's why DK Metcalf who had one of the most incredible combines we've ever seen. 1.6 body fat, looks like a Batman suit, jumped 40 inches, ran 4-3-3. Like, you run 4-4-1, that's just holy shit. You get low 4-3s, that's on a completely different level. I mean, I it felt a little Vernon Davis. And I text a couple people in the league right away. I didn't know that much about him before the picture. I mean, I'd heard his name and knew that he was like a fringe top 40 pick. And I just text two GMs. I'm like, is this guy a top player coming to the draft? They're like, no. He, I mean, he wasn't. Not when I say top player. I mean, he's, he was never being talked about with Rashawn Gary's and the Williams. And now he is because you do something like that, right or wrong. And then I just YouTubed his highlight tapes. I'm like, God, is this guy pretty good? Now, Pat Hill would tell you, fucking don't watch highlight tapes because they do not reflect eight plays. There's 60 plays in a game, let alone. But the, the highlight tape that I stumbled upon on YouTube – uh, I don't know. Julio Jones meets Calvin Johnson. It was pretty incredible. He's made some plays. Meets Odell because I had forgotten until I started watching some highlights that he did the uh, lift he did the leg the P P celebration. I, I 
do you know that was in the egg bowl? So it was like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, I would it say it's low on my list of things I care about. Yeah. No, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, because I watched some other game highlights, and he the way he'd celebrate would be like shush the crowd and say like, he's yeah. not. He, I get like egg bowl, anything flies. That means a lot to them. I, I also I, came away thinking, how did this team, and really the last several years, and this is what people will tell you in the SEC, like since Ole Miss went all in on cheating like these last five or six years and bought all these players that are all over the NFL, how did they not go consistently like 10-2 and two or 11-1? and one? I mean, they've produced guys that just go to the combine that are like, where? I mean, Jesus, this guy looks like he's going to Alabama. Every year, Ole Miss has multiple. I mean, guy, they have two receivers – that could go in the first – if you have two first-round receivers, you should kick fucking ass, right? That was always the knock on Les Miles. How did you not win the national championship? Yeah, they had a quarterback transfer who went to Michigan because he couldn't play at all. He wasn't going to play at all Miss. Yeah, that's – so it's not like they've been hurting for – it's not like they've had met – It's met, why their coach is under pressure all the time. It's a hard place to win, but they get players. Um, if you say Metcalf, A.J. Brown, or Jarvis – Odell. It's a pretty nasty SEC yeah. combo. Jarvis Odell, but um the I think you nailed it earlier when you said like I think part of what makes this what made the combine Sunday this morning as we're recording it was so special was that it was all the guys that we'd heard of living up to what we thought, like, oh, these are all gonna be top ten guys, and then they all perform like top ten guys. Nick Bosa beat Joey Bosa's forty time. Four seven nine I saw someone say that his three-cone, only four wide receivers beat him. So his agility stuff was stupid. I watched uh, just the replay of the bag work. I mean, he looks – he's healthy. God. He's, he doesn't look like Joey, though, does he? No, his face looks a little different. He looks a little smaller. He looks – yeah, I don't know who he looks like to me. Um, well, Charles Davis said, you know, his comp is physically was uh, Chris Long. Oh. Got, you know, a, a, a little more compact. Yeah, but just super explosive, super fluid, and super powerful. Uh, Josh Allen ran a four seven zero. Well, no, and then a second time he ran a four six four. Do you know what shows you? Oh, that's right. The first one he ran. Go ahead. I do it to myself. That right when he ran a four seven zero, I'm like, that sucks. Then you realize like he's six five, two hundred and eighty five pounds. That just the four seven alone is incredible. But every one we compare him to is like Khalil ran a four six. He's got to get better. And then he comes back and he like at four six four. When I went to the combine, in when I was working in the league, there weren't that. Many. I would say there was like one D lineman getting the four sevens. Like how fast these guys are, it's incredible. It's it's, it's and I I almost underestimate and undervalue maybe just what what really happened this weekend with some of these guys because this is not normal. <laughs> I uh, to your point on watching him, thinking like, "Oh, that wasn't fast enough." What I thought watching Josh Allen, and this happens every year, where you watch a guy and I'm like, "Ah, he's a little stiff when he runs. His legs don't get up as high as I thought they should." What do I know? You know, amateur scout over here. And then I, and then it just every year I have the same thought: like, God, if if somebody just showed me video of me running, it would make this guy look like what he is, which is any one of the world's great athletes, or any of us usually. Running, being graceful while you run is actually harder than it looks. Just watch a normal person sprint. It's people's feet get like a half inch off the ground. Um, it's incredible. Just the, the running is like what every year we like talk about hyping up the 40. The 40 is just fun to watch too. Like I know. It's, it's just it awesome. Is. 
And then they the way one of the great it's the, it's the it's the coolest event of the combine. Well, and one of the great advances in technology is them being able to superimpose other people's forties next to it, or horses, or rich, or whatever. It's just great. Wayne, well, it's one of those two that now so many people are drawn to the forty. Just like one of the Ohio State guys ran a four three eight. LeBron immediately tweets like, "Get some." DK runs the four three three, and Patrick Mahomes just tweets, you know, flex emoji four three three. Just a lot of people are kind of paying attention. You know, it's just fun. And then I, they had that funny video of the kid doing the combine, and I, it, I texted to you, and you're like, well, maybe football's not going to die because it does feel pretty fun. Like all these guys are having fun. The kids, it just, it feels like a pretty loose event. All the coaches are loose. It's yeah. a good event optically for the NFL. The okay. kids are out. It just, it just, it, it. Having been there, it's not fun, but it feels fun on TV. That's why I like watching on TV not being there because it's not fun being there. You're like, God, you you realize the guy's sitting there doing the 40s? They're there fucking seven hours for five straight days. It feels like you want to just – you can't wait to get home. Well, uh, it may have loose for us, but I'll tell you, I watching all this stuff unfold Sunday, I tightened up a little bit for John Lynch. Um, number two pick, 49ers. I saw you tweet this, and you're right. Like, he's halfway through a six-year contract. He's fine. This isn't about pressure. Like, not even half. He's going into the year. Going into, make it happen. yeah. It's, this isn't about when we talk about this. Just to set this up, this isn't about like his job on the line or anything like that today. But it's. I think what's terrifying about this second pick is you can see all the different ways that it goes wrong. That you pick the wrong guy because there's so many guys that look like the right guy right here, and this feels like such a higher pressure draft to me than the one when they than the other time they had the second pick and traded back to three and took Solomon Thomas pick that hasn't looked good but but I just you know at the time that there wasn't like a clear there were other guys you could take but it didn't it wasn't like this draft where you could go to the mat for four or five guys you think will be in the Pro Bowl in two years well Haberman hates drafting offensive lineman in the first round yep despises it I like it as a philosophy. I hate it as like an actual. Yeah, because if you're going to go to OTAs, there's only really two positions you really want to sign up for. So you're not into D tackles really on the fence for DNs. Again, you like it philosophically, not in reality. I like somebody else's team to do it. When Saturday ended, I I said, "Why not just take DK Metcalf at two? But he just (laughs) and then I text around. You can't do that. But like that, if you did that. You would get a lot of credit from the fans. We'd be like, "Oh my, we're, Julio!" It would be sweet. But then the moment it turned into Kevin White, they'd want you fired. Right, and rightly so. so. And rightfully, it, it would be it would be beyond bold. It would be an older Al Davis type move. But he, yeah, you can't go from fringe first rounder to number two overall pick, especially because there is a. Would you say there's a chance you could get him in the second round at the top end of the second round? No, not anymore. Okay. Uh. But there's a chance that you could get one of the guys that might be better. Like, is Akeem Butler or Nikhil Harry a better player? Like, at the end of the day, you just say better player. And that's very possible. Because as DJ said, when one of the Fresno State guys was doing the gauntlet drill, uh, Johnson, the white, Ke- uh, Keyshawn Johnson? Yeah. He ran a slow 40. Yeah, and we knew he was slow. He's like a 4-6 guy. But then DJ's like, you know what's funny? is we spend all this time talking how sweet the 40 is, and when you work in the league or you follow the league, you always talk about, God, this guy looks slow when you're watching him play for the team. But he ran so fast. Well, Keyshawn Johnson goes through the gauntlet drill, and Michael Irvin's like, look how smooth this kid is. Just boom, boom. 
He's just a natural. He's he's a Crabtree type. Like that's, but he's a good football player. Someone's going to get him in the fourth or fifth round, and he's going to play in the league for nine years. And there are going to be dudes that ran fast that are not. And Steve Smith's like, yeah, some dudes got it, some dudes don't. And that's the he was talking part. about Witten or <laughs> that, that, that too. <laughs> He's just a shit talker. So you, get, you get blasted. Uh, but uh, Rich stopped because DJ tried to provoke him. Did you see the highlight of that? No. And Rich was like, guys, you could tell like he might be friends with Witten or something. Just out of some professional respect, you know. Yeah, because they were going to go in. He's like, what do you think, Steve? And DJ knew he'd get him to say something kind of crazy. And he's like, what are you talking about, DJ? He's like, yeah, and leave it. He's like, you want my real opinion? He's like, yeah, give it to me straight. And Rich's like, hey. He knew something bad was coming. He still kind of took a shot. <laughs> but I, let's just say DK Metcalf not. You can't take an offensive guy. Whoever you take it to, one thing's clear. These players have all been blue chip guys. Like Zion Williams, Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary, Bosa. Like number one high school recruits, all Americans. Like guys, you're going to pass on several of them. Right? You, just, you just made up a blue chip player, by the way. You went Bryce Harper. I want to bring a championship to D.C. Zion Williams? That's an incredible player. Uh, I meant Zion Williamson. I Slash Quinnen Williams. Yeah, so <laughs> Zion Williams would be incredible. But you get my point. They, whoever they take it to, who goes three, four, five, six, seven, there are going to be some dudes that are going to be seven-time Pro Bowlers, right? You know, just staples for the league. And you just better make sure you get – to me, it's much easier – where the Raiders are drafting it for, because they can justify if they take Gary or they take Ed Oliver, whoever they end up taking, well, Bosa and Allen were off the board. So it was we thought he was the best. Maybe if he doesn't turn out the best, it'll be hard to be as critical as two, because they're going to pass on, uh, you know, I mean, literally they're passing on just in the top ten, seven more guys that will go. And it's pretty clear just the way this draft and how talented these guys are, maybe four or five of them of the seven are going to be fucking good. And that's where I think last year it goes, well, they took Baker, then Saquon. I think Sam's going to be good. You just – all these guys that went, you're like, oh, these guys are pretty good. Quentin Nelson, Roquan Smith. Like, So if you took Quentin Nelson, you passed on Roquan Smith, it's like, oh, I got an all-pro. You can't say shit. You know, I, I, I passed on Sam Darnold, which is still crazy. But at the end of the day, the one thing you'll never be able to take away from the Giants, they got maybe the best running back of this next generation, right? So they'll always – yeah, we passed on – Steve Young, but we got Barry Sanders. It kind of stops you in your tracks. Right. What, right. You, what you cannot do if you're John Lynch is, yeah, we passed on Barry Sanders and we got Manny Lawson. You know that that's where it, it just I it's it, this is a crazy ass pressure on him at two, especially if Kyler goes one because you got the pick of the litter and you could take. Are you going to end up? Hell, if you just end up with Clowney and pass on Mac, you can hold your head high. Yes. I agree. But you, you cannot take fucking, you know, whoever and have him turn out to just be Solomon Thomas with Khalil it, Max and J.J. Watts are after. Yeah. Was it Metcalf that said the – See, the, 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 and the, what the Raiders have that you don't, John, is they got three picks. So if they hit on two of the three and they miss on four but nail the 20s, no one will really care, right? Not that no one will care, yeah. but it's like if, if you get – you would take that every time. Yeah. You would take two out of your three picks at every time. You'd, you'd be you'd be winning divisions if you hit sixty six percent of your picks. Um, was it Metcalf that said? I think it was Jennifer Lee Chan's article I read that that the meeting was pretty intense with the Niners. The fifteen minute interview. Yeah. 
because it said that one said Wes Welker was in the meeting, so I, I think it was Metcalf. You, usually, the meeting when you get it's the head coach, you know, it's probably Peters, May, Mayhew, Lynch. I would imagine for every player that comes in, that also the position coach comes in. You know, so Welker, whoever wide receiver they interviewed, Welker would just I be like in. Hearing I like that. That's normal that. practice. I liked reading that. That Welker was in there? No, that it was just not a comfortable meeting. It shouldn't be comfortable. The, the Niners have zero room for comfort, guy. And if it came out, like, just some crazy statement. Let's say he went, if it comes out in the next month or two that he just even uh, got close, even if it was Welker or John Lynch. That they went Jeff, Jeff Ireland? Ireland? Yeah, your mom was a whore. No, not a, a whore is the wrong term. She was a prostitute. Like, they, they just asked what her occupation was. People freaked out. Like, I, I'm sorry. John Lynch and Wells Welker can just ask questions that, you know, fucking John Middlecoff, the scout, can't. And you can blast them. You can say they crossed the line. Like, I, I'm sorry. They, they just can't. They, they have been places. They've seen things. Here's okay. an interview question for you. Can you ask a player, are you afraid of CTE? Uh, th- th- you're you're getting on a slippery slope there. Yeah, I, I want to know. Like, are you just gonna are you gonna are you gonna lie to the trainer and say you don't have a headache? Like, I want you to. You would get destroyed in the media, if you right? Said. Yeah. But if what if John Lynch said like that's how I played? I talked to a basketball coach the other day. He's retired. I would recommend not asking the question <laughs> okay. if I was a PR. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yes, definitely. But I, but thought, I couldn't you justify it's not that crazy of a question, right? Because you let's call it what it is. You don't want to draft someone that is really caught up in CTE or thinking about it a lot. I mean, if you were bulky, could you ask it? You had a guy just leave the sport. Uh, and by the way, it's fair for guys to feel that way. But I had a retired basketball coach say to me, tell me the other day. Well, I guess more than the other day, a while ago. But we were talking about he had a player once upon a time that had a concussion. And the kid, like, really wanted to play. And finally, after, like, two weeks, the coach was like, hey, son, hey, look, son, if you want to get on the court, you have to stop telling the – like, if you're mad that they stopped passing, they haven't passed you, you can't keep telling the trainer you have a headache. Like, I'm just telling you. Like, I'm not telling you to cheat. I'm just saying, if you want to play, the reason you're not playing is because you keep telling them you have a they headache. They will not clear you you're with You're not going to get on the court. Yeah. So – I don't know. It's just, I mean, I, you gotta. I wonder if you wonder it. Maybe you don't. Well, you think Welker wonders that? Well, how many concussions do you think Welker played within his career? Countless. I mean, Edelman. I mean, yeah. Edelman levels. Ricky, um, by the way, Ricky Fowler's uh, fiance is wearing this jumpsuit. Yeah, she's pretty good looking. Uh, good work there, Rick. Allison Stokey. Cal yeah. I, you agree, though, with just the premise of what I said that. You won't know right away, and whoever they draft the day of the draft, it'll seem sweet. But it's they would like this could be the straw that ruins this administration if they were to fuck this thing up. Yeah, I mean it's it's like if you take Allen and you don't take Bosa or vice versa, and the other guy is incredible. Now you'll always be able to say, well, yeah, no, everyone would have taken Bosa, but it's like that. You're not everyone. You're, you're paid. The two of you are paid a combined twelve million dollars. And you have the number two overall pick. You got to get it right. Like at the end of the day, Reggie McKenzie ended up getting fired, but he got some things right. And you know, it, it is—it's always easier to be at four or five and have just the guy fall in your lap, like Elway last year. The guy Chubb just fell in his lap. It that happened, and that's. But you—you you don't get as much. You to me, you always get more credit for making like 
you hit the home run at two or three. Like, the guy didn't fall on your lap. You had to make a decision. Like, to me, the more impressive Reggie draft pick was always Amari over Kevin White because you could have gone either way. You could have gone Amari, Kevin White, and Leonard Williams, and he 100% drafted the right player. Yeah. And that was hard. That was way harder than Cleo Mack. What the, what the, the Raiders pick is still going to be difficult because you could justify taking three or four guys there, but it's easier than the pick at two. Right, especially if Kyler Murray goes one. Like who? Who? Okay, who's the best defensive player in your draft, John Lynch? Who do you think is the best player? Well, it is like if Kyler goes one, this is like drafting one because we know they wouldn't have taken a quarterback, right? Because I was when I drove to Davis. Was I driving home? They must have replayed moving the chains because I heard the conversation. That they you usually do, yeah. Previous set, yeah. So they were they were having that conversation about what they could get for Rosen or whatever. But Kerwin also said that. At the end of the day, a player can't have the same grade because if they do have the same grade, you still have them stacked. So even if both guys are, let's say your grading system, uh, the top five pick is a two or I don't even know. It does. It's a relevant arbitrary number. Well, even if they are the exact same number, one guy is stacked above the other guy. And that's what we do in these draft meetings. When you hear all these we're in draft meetings, we're in draft meetings. The whole fucking point of the draft meeting is to set the stack. So. When when the pick comes to us and we have the opportunity to pick who is the top player on the board, so who, to me, the hardest part about the Ra- like the, the the Raiders are always going to be able to say, well, our top three players went the first three picks. We just we had to go a different direction. Like wait, maybe they dra- uh, who knows, but the, the John Lynch is not going to have that. Even if Bosa went one, you'd go, okay, who's the second best player on your board? If you're not going to trade out or trade right, back, right? And trading back. Once upon a time, the Browns traded back. Like, trade, you don't automatically nail it with a trade back. The Browns were at four. They could have got Khalil Mack. They traded a nine to pass on Khalil Mack. And then they ended up taking Gilbert with the ninth pick. So a trade back doesn't always just work. Well, and I would say this, too, in the context of just how big this is for Lynch, hitting a home run here, even if the play is we'll move back five spots – Hitting a home run here will always – you just pick the right guy, and he's a great player. It will not matter that, oh, you could have maximized value by getting two other picks, moving back four spots, and taking a guy that's almost as good. If you hit a home run, we'll never talk about that you could have traded just, back. Yeah, just get Khalil Mack or Fletcher Cox or whatever, and no one's talking people – are, people are liking you a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And the other part like, of this is that they had the Solomon Thomas deal, the trade – and draft and they drafted Ruben Foster and that looked good, but now it doesn't like, that's all part of the equation. I would say also the difference of the Solomon Thomas draft. This has been a place we were not quite feeling that pick, but the one small defense I'll give that draft was weird. It wasn't. Yeah, no, no, totally. Totally. That's why I said, this is not the same level of that. To me that this draft is on a completely different level where it's like, okay, what, what you got, you know, who do you value? Cause you're, you know, they, they didn't tank quite well enough to get the number one pick. Uh, because if I told you right now the 49ers had the first pick. No. Do you think they trade back? I don't know if they would. I would tell them not to. Although you could justify, look at all these great players. If you're just going to four for Kyler, do it. So actually yeah. I would, yeah, you would trade back probably. That's the point of all these good players, right? Go to four, get a guy that's just as good as the guy you'd get at one. Yeah, that's where you could justify if you were at one. Let's say Gruden would trade you four for one. and So give by you that like, logic, shouldn't we be saying the same thing about two? Yeah, you could. But I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Take him. Take the guy. Well, 
at the end of the day, the most important thing is just fucking nailing the picks. Because last year, the Colts went from three to six, and they came back with a draft with like four Pro Bowlers. So he's just uh, – how much different whenever the NFL Network goes to Chris Ballard, every, you just start looking at him like, oh, I see the hype. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I get it. <laughs> no one, you know, People have been talking about him like Sean McVay of – personnel guys yeah he's really good he knows his shit well i mean again like i'll fly in the face of my own logic if you go joey bosa is one and josh allen is two and then quinn williams is three on our board and at two we can get joey but we feel comfortable if we go back to five we'll get quinn williams they're almost the same guy let's just do that I, I, i understand it i'm just saying take the guy you feel the best about and at number two you get to take whoever you want just take the guy you feel the best about one this was year one, I might feel a little differently. I agree. It's clear this decision is really fucking hard. Like they could do they could justify doing like three different things. But the one thing that is not arguable, they are paid so much goddamn money to know and get it right. Like that's they are entrusted to have the the ability to know ex- what the right thing to do is. Right. That's at the end of the day, they were entrusted and paid a lot. And I think highly of them both. I think probably higher of Kyle than I do John. Not that I don't. I mean, I think John's a super high level guy, but I'm just we're really going to. You feel like, you know, that Kyle's a good coach. Yeah. Is John Lynch ever going to be considered a top 10 GM or something in the league? I I can't say that. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, So I, I I'm nervous for them, to be honest with you. Yep. I, I, I just think the decision is that hard. I, I I think it would be much easier for them to be like it's the Raiders are actually in an easier position. Now it's easier just because I also had three picks, but I'm just saying it's easier at four or five in this draft because there's so many guys that are just going to fall to you and you'll just be able to, oh, you know, Quentin Williams fell to us. We couldn't pass on him. Where you're too, you set the, the domino effect. Like you are the one that, that tips the scale. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were thinking, will Kyler Murray make sense for the Raiders? Now it it seems like pretty well accepted majority that Kyler Murray, that Kyler Murray won't be there for the Raiders at number four. And if he's not, then trading Derek Carr makes less and less sense because trading him makes sense to a degree if you have another quarterback. But if you don't, like you're not to me, you're not trading him to sign Nick Foles, right? No, you're trading him because you got now. If you like, do you want to draft Dwayne Haskins? Do you love Dwayne Haskins? All right, well then, fine. But Kyler's clearly the number one guy, and it doesn't look like they're going to have a chance to draft him. And that makes it more likely that Derek's a Raider. To me, the only move would be trading him for Kyler Murray because that would be a swing for the fences move. Uh, I I think it would be hard guy to justify trading him for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, now they, they, maybe they were just absolutely in love with them. They, they would try to justify it. I, I have a hard time seeing that. Uh, the Kyler one's believable just in the sense that he, I mean, people are viewing him as a generational talent. So I, I, I don't we see day, generational talent coming. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, well, I, like, I, I think he was originally viewed that the, I remember the hype on him when he got to A&M with someone, but not as an NFL player. Well, because he was so short. I know. It's just I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just I, it just blows my mind because you're right. That is how we talk about him now, and that happened in a minute and a half. Like Bryce I, is, I, was Bryce Harper's viewed as generational since I, he was twelve. 
but I think that many people say that Kyler Murray was the best high school recruit to ever come out of Texas. But but no one ever talked like as in terms of an NFL prospect, nobody ever considered he'd get drafted higher in the NFL draft than in the Major League Baseball draft. That's all. Yeah, it just I'm sidetracking I, though. No, but there's there is a huge element with him with uh, with size that I think is just dramatically changed in a 12 month span. I I really think that I think five years ago he would not go one right. Well, we were, you and I were having this conversation just talking the other day. Would he? It was seven years ago that Russell went in the third round, and he was fucking really good. If at Kyler day, had played Russell, it, if Kyler had played at University of Houston, would he be at A's camp right now? If he had played quarterback at Houston, I still think he'd be pretty highly thought of, guy. He, you think he'd be an NFL quarterback still? NFL quarterback seems a little. Super I just mean wrong. like, would he be in this draft, yeah. or would he be playing baseball? I, I, that'd be up for debate. I don't know. Interesting. But I, all this is off an offshoot. We were talking about you would, but I would say this, if let's use the example, he went to Houston, they went undefeated and they got to a BCS game. The hype on him would have been strong. Yeah. Cause it was Bortles a couple years ago at UCF. I, I think we're at the point now. And I thought Charles Davis hit on it, that all these conferences are all kind of meshed into one. Like if you're an elite player, you're an elite player anyway, anywhere. Right. Like you would, Saquon Barkley could have been at Penn State. He could have been at Washington. Like, he could have been at any conference. You know, I mean, when I when Fresno State, Ryan Matthews went 14. He was a running back. You know, I, I think we've really changed that. The program, now there's a big difference like D1 and D2 or something. But as long as you're in a Mountain West, WAC, Conference USA, something. Marcus Davenport guy, El Paso, they traded a, multiple first-round picks to get him last year. Yeah. Now, he went 14, not one, but... I, I think the age of the internet, and I, this gets back to Derek, is that the one thing in the league, even if people are down on Derek, no one can dispute he does have a lot of talent, and he's proven that his high end is high. There's no guessing. Like there is a huge guessing element with Josh Rosen. That's the thing. There's not really much guessing with Foles. Like I know I can win NFL games with Foles. I know if my team's solid. I should be able to win eight, nine games. And as long as I'm doing that, that means I'm in the playoff mix heading into December, right? He's proven that he can do that. He, he's proven more, but you, you'd have to go, our team's probably not as good as Philly. Like, to me, Derek and Foles, it feels like more teams, if you just gave them all things being equal, would rather just take a chance on Derek because upside's higher for the 16-game season. Could Derek ever just dominate in the playoffs? Feels like he'd have to have some a couple down games in the playoffs before he dominated. But I, 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 the way this is playing out, if we assume Kyler Murray goes one, I think it's somewhat safe to assume that right now. When I say assume, it's been over 50%. I think that Derek Carr is going to be on the Raiders. And, and also, guy, the way it sets up for them, they can take whoever they want, defense four. Why, why wouldn't you take, like, Noah Fant and Akeem Butler? You, you could take two sweet offensive guys, in theory, in with those two second round or two picks in the twenties, yeah, two big guys too. You know, guys that Derek throw jump balls to. There are a lot of jump ball wide receivers. I I think if you're keeping Derek, if you're Gruden, you do him a disservice if you don't take a swing high on one of those type guys, right? Yeah, do they have to take an offensive lineman? Just given the expense of their offensive line. What do you mean? Well, I'm just saying, like, are we close to them needing to take an offensive lineman high? Maybe not this year, maybe next year. But I'd also say there's just not an offensive lineman really to take high. Yeah, maybe they can get him. Well, that's what I mean, like, high, like, back end of the first round is one of those picks. 
Oh, you're saying like could they take a guard or something in the if they cut Kalechi? Right. Wouldn't you say it's more dire to get a big to get Nikhil Harry? Yeah, we might be a year, we might be a year away from that. Because even if if you tell me all things are equal, you get Quentin Nelson and or George Kittle. You know that the equivalent or track Kelsey. It's more important for the Raiders where they're at right now to have the Kelsey guy for right. Derek. You're doing him a disservice if you're not because he got no one to throw to. I, I heard uh, they asked Mayock, like, who's your best playmaker? He's like, you know, going back and watching the tape late in the season, Mar- Marcel Aitman really came on. I'm like, God, they are fucking in dire need here. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could say the same for the Niners. Both of them combined. If you could combine their skill groups, would you feel great about it? Kittle. No. Kittle. That's Pettis. Uh Aitman? Taylor? Aitman? It's a muscle hamster? It's a bad group. Yeah, I mean... Marshawn actually still plays hard. We need some help, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could be that guy? Schefter, after he recorded on Friday, Adam Schefter reported that the Raiders... Tennessee, Washington, those were the three teams that have shown the most interest and quote-unquote are the most likely landing spots ahead of free agency's March 13th kickoff for Antonio Brown, provided Antonio Brown doesn't go to the Lakers and become a member of Team Shop. Uh, what did you think of of uh, Antonio on the shop, John, and uh, and Schefter putting the Raiders at the top of the list? Who was it? Was it... Uh, was it Dorsey? Somebody asked Dorsey about it, and he was like, I can't talk about other teams' players, but uh, Kevin Colbert, call me. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? You got the shop? Yeah, the dude called me out. We lose a game. He's like, damn, AB should have ran a better route. Why would, why would Ben do that? That's how a guy he is. He feel like he the owner. Bro, you threw this shit to the D-line, man. How the fuck am I going to It is pretty funny. I, I've watched that clip a hundred times this weekend. That, that is a incredible clip. It's also something you never see. Like, he, he crossed the line from, oh, they got some beef, to, like, he's basically calling Ben a fucking clown, a fraud. He's gone. To me, he doesn't really crush the Steelers that much when I watch him. It's, I, I, yeah, I've never seen him say shit about Tomlin. Never mentions Le'Veon. I think he's – Juju says they're boys. Uh, Juju's probably friends with everyone. Uh, it's Ben. You texted me after you probably saw the clip, like, he's gone. Like you, you just those two can't coexist. Right? I meant, yeah, yeah. I don't know because I've always been like, this is the NFL, bro. You just roll it back. I don't know if Antonio because they'll be yelling at each other week two, if not yeah, week two. Then. Guy, they, he, he's to be a malcontent with him in OTAs. He hates him. Well, so and I you and I, Antonio let's give ourselves Brown, some credit. He does Jim. not like Big Ben. Let's you give ourselves that statement. Yes, I do agree with that statement. And let's give you and me some credit on this because we've been saying for a long time, years now. Like, if people just go listen to the things Ben says, they're pretty eye-opening. Like, he does local radio hits, and he just says things. You're like, what is he talking about? Or, like, he's crushing. I mean, when he crushed Mason Rudolph, he crushed Mason Rudolph in, like, a 20-minute interview. The, the, that, that one made headlines when he said, I, I, I I'm not going to help the guy, basically. But he said a bunch of other stuff, too. I, I, w- I bet if Antonio could articulate himself better, of not like trying to be too aggressive and just have a conversation, I think the most basic level he's like, this guy's just an asshole. And he's a, kind of a fraud, right? Because the things he says, 
the, the member of the Mason Rudolph comment when Mason's like, hey, man, I'm just glad to be here. It's like, that's fucked up. I mean, Mason, yes. <laughs> it was. And then Ben, he always tries to roll it back. And then he just says blatant lies. The the pick he threw that he blamed Todd Haley for wanting him to spike the ball or not spike the ball. And Ben wanted to spike the ball. I think he just lies. Ben said he wanted to spike it, to clock it. And yeah. on that instance, that was the Bronco game that he threw a pick at the end of the game to the defensive tackle. Antonio was just running. I mean, they were at the two-yard two line. There, there's only so many routes you can run. He was just running across the field. Now, he might have been right about Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph. What do you mean? Well, I just like he was kind of like, well, Josh has been here. Like, I don't know why Josh isn't the guy. You know, like, basically. Oh, yeah. Well, and Josh did beat him out this year. But that Mason wasn't Rudolph. that. Yeah, that was not really what it was about. But, yeah, I mean, he's critical of the organization's decisions pretty regularly. Ben. Yeah, Ben's just not like I can when see I, I, it. How he wouldn't I've, be the easiest I've guy. I've come around a little bit. The shop wasn't that bad. I, I did the clip I saw for Antonio Brown. The Darlington interview was off the off the fucking rails. <laughs> the Darlington interview where he was telling he inflated how much he made in the league by about thirty million. I did give him some credit. He said his house. He's like, see this place paid off. I was like, one thing Antonio and I, I was getting on this on Twitter a little bit last night. Because someone tweeted at me, you know, he said he's financially secure. And I'm like, in America, I don't think you can get credit for being fine. Like, if Guy Haberman, hustling, financially married, young, you know, cup, like, you're financially, that'd be impressive, you know? To me, if you've made $70 million and you're 30 years old and Guy, the kicker, you're scheduled, you are going to make, because you're not going to not be in the league. You are going to make $15 million in about four months once the season begins. Or six. I wish it was four months away. It's actually like eight. But I just said that to make it feel like football is closer. It's like nine, actually. We're a long way away. But uh, you don't get credit for being financially secure when you've made, I'd say, like $10 million, let alone 70 You agree with that statement? Well, I would agree with it, although I did see there was an article the other day Got about, a lot of kids. about Kelly Olenek. About how Kelly still drives a Toyota Tundra and only shops at Nordstrom Rack and like doesn't buy anything new, and it was you know saying like he's a really financially responsible person because he does all this like stuff that forget about rich people, just like normal people don't do in terms of saving money. So he was getting some credit for it, one hundred percent. But to me, you made seventy million dollars. You can buy some extravagant shit and still save. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you can you don't need buy to. Eight. That's why I want to tell Kelly Linux is like, bro, you can like you could spring for just an Acura. <laughs> like, well, it's anything. like, hey, Kelly, you make fifteen million. You could or you, whatever he, he makes a lot. You could put easily. You could be driving Mercedes, living at the fucking top penthouse, and where's he live, Miami, and still be banking like five net every year in the bank. Yeah, not a style. It, it, no, but I, I'm not trying to diminish financial security. Like, you get credit for saving. A lot of guys have gone broke. Before uh, I do want to say this about the shop, though. But he's allowed, like, I think LeBron used him a little bit. Because LeBron never says shit. He just says general comments about, like, he never takes personal shots at any of his own teammates. But he met Anthony Davis do it with the Pelicans. He does Antonio Brown gave him just gold. I mean, absolute gold. Well, that you, you're, you're, you're leading me right to what I want, what I want to say. LeBron's face... When Antonio's talking is the same face that having worked in radio for a long time, you know this, John, a program director makes when they hear a clip that like when they hear a guest or hosts, like we'd be in the same position where you'd have like some famous guest on and he'd say something and we look at each other like, oh, send that to pro football talk. 
that's going to make the rounds. And it's just like LeBron knew what he had. You could see it on his face. Like, this is going to be the clip for social media. Like, he just knew it. Well, knew Jamie Foxx right. Fox laughing out of his seat. To me, the telling face, Meek Mill, who was just in jail and honestly felt like the most, most under control guy in the room, had a look like, Bro, what are you doing to yourself right now? I can't. Meek Mill's face was that of disbelief, of just I can't believe he's quite doing this. You know, like Antonio, you're ruining your career here, and that that's my one issue in all seriousness. Is he with though? I I just think that like no one would advise him if Meek Mill. Just keep it yourself for a minute, at least till you're out of there. If you're gonna go score on the quarterback, anyone that falls, like, yeah, Ben's in control. Just like Carson will be in control. Just like anywhere you're going, just be, just wait till you're gone. He's trying to get traded, guy. He's trying to get traded. To me, there's a decent chance that they just can't trade him because no one's offering shit, and he ends up back with the guy that he hates. I, 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 feel like I just the thought it was crazy. I thought it was a little unfair. I've come around, not that I support the guy, but he, you understand it a little had, bit. You just have a yeah, better understanding, yeah. I, I do, and I, I get he's probably super worked up because one thing that's pissing him off, he feels like he's been painted the fucking cocksucker, and he looks at it like it's the opposite. The other guy's the the one that would ruin everyone's career and wouldn't even flinch, and he's like, I've been nice to all my teammates, and yeah, I think he's got along with everyone for the most part. Now, when you. Tw- Steeler Twitter will be like, he has had some issues, I think, with like showing up late, missing practice over the years. But guy, that's that's come to the territory with a wide receiver. So maybe I, it's I, the environment. Yeah, you know, he's rebelling. Yeah, maybe he's just sleeping. <laughs> Sometimes it's pretty simple. You just don't get to work on time. You know, if you're just you know not. But I, I think his his main beef is like I would never be here. And this is where it kind of gets where I think coaches and Mike Tomlin would be like Antonio, you keep. Hanging your hat like you're this humble six round grinder, and that's what made you. You're, I remember Lewis telling me they went to a Steeler practice for a Monday night game, and he's like the hardest working guy. He's like Jerry Rice at practice, so he thinks that like I'm the hardest working guy here. I came from nothing, and I made it, and I, I became the best player in the league. That doesn't necessarily then give you the right to just be able to do whatever you want. It gives you a longer leash, but now he just feels like I'm going to start being the quarterback. Well, you'll never quite get quarterback rules, so you can't just say whatever the fuck you want. But you also want to get traded. So even the Raiders, the one thing Gruden says, said over and over and over again, which I thought was a little hypocritical, that he wants like players that would play for free. He wants guys to just love it because he's crazy. So he's going to be on your ass. So you got to love football. And that's the one thing I think where even when Derek was playing bad, they do really appreciate that about Derek in the building, that he's all that football means a lot to him. Yeah. That Antonio's dropping lines like I don't even need football anymore. It's like Antonio, even teams that like you, you want to get out of here. No one. Antonio knows this because he's lived in the culture that that's that's not what they want to hear. He's killing himself. He's the best player I think in recent memory that people are going to struggle to trade for. That was just openly available under contract and would just ensure you domination next year. I mean, if you're the Steelers, you do call the Raiders because you got a third for Martavis Bryant from them last year. And I'm not making a joke. Like, I, I just don't think under any circumstances the Raiders can trade one of those 20s for Antonio Brown. No, but they could trade a second. Would you? Would I? 
I mean, no, I don't think so. But if you did, would it be insane? But a I second think, round pick when you have three ones. But I also think Gruden looks at Mayock like, okay, we get people think we won't be good next year. Let's get Noah Fant. Let's get Nikhil Harry and you trade the second round pick for fucking uh, Antonio Brown. We'll come out guns blazing, throw some John, points. John, I, I, I'd be kind of inspired by that. I wouldn't kill him for again. They've got three firsts. So what if I told you that they got the Iowa tight end, one of the sweet wide receivers, and they trade their top second for Antonio Brown? Yeah, Would you or, look at their offense differently. Yes, or you get the or you get Fan and you get Antonio and you take a linebacker with that other first round pick and you use the first pick on a pass rusher. So all of a sudden, whatever you do, yeah, we we got our Travis Kelsey and we got Antonio Brown to go with Aitman. To go with Aitman, I think in a perfect world they want Aitman to be barely making the team, not their number one guy. You know, Gruden, and we got a lot of money. That's like Golden Tate too. I mean, like I I, I honestly like. You see how easy people make fun of the conversations we have, and you have in fantasy football are the same conversations that football people have in these buildings. Now they're just do they get played out? But they're having these conversations. Like, why couldn't we go sign Golden Tate? Right. Why couldn't we trade for Antonio Brown? Use one, just like you said, let's just use one of the picks in the 20s on one of the sweet wide receivers or the tight end, whoever we like the most that falls to us, and then take a corner or something, also with one of those other people, with a sweet pass rusher. Why couldn't we have one of the better young nucleuses in the league next year? Because in the end, when you trade a second round pick, you still have Antonio Brown on your team. Well, that's the one thing I think the Steelers are going. He's going scorched earth. He's saying shit you'd never hear. But I do think a lot of people in the league think that, and again, like me and you, he does have some points. He's not, it's not that outrageous, right? Like some of the things T.O. used to say was he was just wrong. Like this one, we it, people have been making fun of Big Ben in the NFL, and now it's kind of fun to do it on social media for a while. If they decided they were going to trade Big Ben, what would they get for him? I think his contract's up this year. I I don't think they'd get my first, I don't know, second. <laughs> I wouldn't say first, first just because. Guy, I mean, who, who in their right mind would give up a first for a no. 37-year-old just. Coughlin. I think he only means something to them. Yeah, I just wonder, like, what? let's just say Kevin Colbert loves Josh Rosen. I mean, would it be the worst thing to. To reset, go young QB. Could you trade for Josh Rosen anyway if you're the Steelers and have him there with Ben? Well, guy, you've drafted two quarterbacks the last two years. Yeah, but neither one of them is going to be the guy. You should draft a quarterback every year, John. Ron Wolf told me that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is fair. Like, what's – hey, Kevin, you already – you drafted him in the third round, and really you got that pick just because you gave up a drug guy you didn't want anyway. I'm just – So why yeah, – yeah, why wouldn't you use your second-round pick for – you're saying trade like a second for Ben, yeah. and then no, no, I'm not even talking about Ben for Rosen. Yeah, maybe let's say it becomes what we were talking about the other day, where you not even it's not even a second that gets him; it's a third that you need. If you're going to take a quarterback in the fourth, maybe just send send the third and get Rosen. Would Big Ben retire if they traded into the Jaguars? I don't think so. Because who turns down twenty five million, right? <laughs> I mean, that's at the end of the day. Is he going to retire? Uh, well, he's scheduled to make. Here's the one problem for Roethlisberger for trading for him. He's a contract guy, so his contract is over. Now, he's only owed. This is where I could see it getting a little dicey. He's making $17 million this year. So if you're Roethlisberger, like, 
could you like hold out? Like you got to give me like a two year extension, bump this pay up. I'm well underpaid. Yeah. He's not making much money. Antonio Brown makes like two million dollars less than him. So this Anto- year. That's what Antonio's saying. It's like, dude, I... you're paying me just as much as him, and he, I'm better than him. Uh, John, speaking of the shop, there are 19 games left for the Lakers. They are 30 and 33. Um, they lost to the Bucks, and uh, as Bill Plaschke wrote. No, they lost to the Bucs. Then who they lose to after the Bucs? They lost to the Bucs on Friday night, and last night was Saturday, and they lost to the Phoenix Suns. That's right. And that they didn't really just, does. They didn't just lose. at one. They were down like 10 with like five minutes to go. I mean, they were consistently losing in the game, especially the second half. Uh, they are four games out in the loss column of the eighth spot in the playoffs, and Bill Clash, Plasky wrote, missing the playoffs might make this the most disappointing season in Laker history. Uh, they've had some great years, but they've had disappointing years too. That's um, quite a disaster. And I got to give. Did you see what Cowherd tweeted? Was this? Was it? I don't know if it was Saturday it was night. This, it was this morning. Or yeah, I, I thought it was Sunday morning. I thought it was a really good tweet. LeBron has spent the season putting himself above his teammates, words and actions separating himself, countless side projects, never truly buying into his head coach. Part of leadership is getting over yourself and getting into others. Congrats on all the cool TV and movie projects, though. <laughs> That's a phenomenal tweet. He oh, he tweet. he, <laughs> he is right. Like he like he's going viral for all the things that he used to LeBron got uncool 2 years ago because the one thing I won't forget is in Cleveland he was really cool. People bashed him he wasn't a good enough player, but no one disputed that like god everyone would want to play with him. He had all the sweet handshakes. He was young. He was like he, he could jump from the free throw line and dunk in games. Like, he was doing shit that was just stupid. Then he went to Miami. Even though the decision sucked, he had one of the great – I Googled it the other day because I heard Greg Papa go, Dwayne Wade, the greatest player in the history of the Miami Heat. If you just factor in longevity, for sure. But if you look at LeBron's four fucking years there, I didn't realize this. Three of them, he was first team all defense. You know, one thing they do in Miami, you don't get to loaf. I mean, you play fucking defense. That's the old guy with the slick back hair is walking around like Don Corleone. You better bust your ass back three times. You know, the other time he was second team all defense. So there was no one talked about him like, you know, he just loafs. He kicked ass and took names and he won multiple MVPs. They won multiple finals MVPs. That four year stretch is one of the great truly. And I think it almost gets under talked about now because I was just thinking about it the other day. I watched some YouTube highlights. One of the greatest four year stretches of basketball that we've ever seen played. Is that fair? Yeah. It's like the level that Pat took him to. And then right when he got back to Cleveland, it was like he's kind of buying in. They got Kevin Love and Kyrie and it kind of got off to a weird start. But they were, you could tell like this team's going to be really good once they figured it out. And then he ended up winning a championship. The year after he won a championship, then he just kind of got weird. You know, clutch became a big thing. I heard Windhorse saying, it was like 2013, so it might have been like the end of the Miami run. Rich Paul had been working for CAA because that had been repping LeBron, and then he started Clutch, and then a couple years later, LeBron just joined him with Clutch, and clear, you know, probably had some rules. He had to, couldn't just go right away. That it hasn't really, it's gotten weird, and he, you know, he says the Roseman says it too. Keep the main. I mean, this is Pat Riley's line. Keep the main thing the main thing. 
the one thing you always gave LeBron credit for is like he did keep the main thing, the main thing. Like basketball, he worked his ass off. He dominated. He clearly works really hard now, but he's mastered it somewhat. So people are like, oh, Middlecoff, you're just hating. He had 28, 7, and 9. I, I've been watching, like everyone, LeBron his whole life. You can tell when he's in and when he's out. He can get – LeBron James, and it speaks to his greatness, and this is why he's probably going to go down as the second greatest player of all time, could get 25, 10, and 8 with his fucking eyes closed. Is he into it or is he not? And I tweeted this last night. It's actually one of my more viral tweets in a long time. That Michael Jordan, the difference is LeBron and Michael Jordan. There's a sense of pride because I think LeBron thinks I've just accomplished everything. Maybe he's come to grips with it. I might never win a championship anymore. And he's played for 16 years or whatever. He's just over this the truly, truly competitive. Because we remember when that first year we got in arguments with Greg Papa, or I mean Derek Papa, because we're like, yeah, they just lost six. But a radio even, producer. Yeah, it wasn't even close who the best player in the court was. That motherfucker was – it was the most remarkable five-game or six-game stretch I've ever seen in my life. Remember the first championship? Yeah. They're like, oh, he's shooting 50 times again. I don't give a shit what he's doing. He, he is a man amongst boys, and the boys on this court are pretty damn good. So it's, it's incredible. He doesn't do that really anymore. And last night, with their only hope of making – they could not lose to the Suns, the worst team in the league, arguably. A team that if you just catch on a nightly basis is as lifeless and gutless. I read a story or saw a headline the other day that they might fire Igor, the coach they just hired. He might be one and done, too. Their GM's already gone. Like, they're a disaster. Good good. Igor left San Antonio first. Finally got a head coaching job, and he's fired after one year. But it's like he's just over it. And it's kind of a turnoff for a guy that one thing you'd respect about Kobe and Michael, and LeBron's a better player than Kobe, even Duncan. It always really mattered to them, it felt like. It just Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you got to drag his off, ass off the field. Big In any big game, whether that's playoffs or just a game they got to win, he brings it. I just don't think LeBron gives a shit anymore, guys. That's kind of, that's where I think he's getting just criticism. Like the coward thing, like. LeBron, it's pretty clear you're kind of over some of this shit. Yeah, I mean, the question that I have with him is, can will he be able to flip the switch back? Will having a better team around him bring that guy back, or is he too old to play like that all the time? Does he not? Does he not have the desire to play like that anymore all the time? You know, I don't know. I mean, LeBron at less than his greatest is still great, still great, not good, great when he wants to be. Um, but that's what I wonder is like. Will will that come back if this team gets better around him? If he thinks we're not really even a team that has a chance at a championship, I, I, I think I, I think he now has a fundamental flaw of his inability to relate with some of these younger guys and even quite grasp. Well, and a, it seems like a lack there. of desire to relate to them, right? Doesn't even want to anymore. And that don't you think when LeBron was cool, that was one of his you know, outstanding attributes. It's like, God, everyone just taking guys to dinner. Just people want to be around. It's funny. I watched some of these uh, practice videos from like practice and they're goofing around, having a great time, but you know, it's easy in two minutes in a shooting drill to look that way. But I also think one of the guys he's like jumping up with is Rondo and Lance, some of the older guys. I also think when you live in a fake world and he's always been nailed for being passive aggressive, I think if you're Kuzma and Lonzo and Ingram, you go, this guy has constantly said he gives me these BS lines at Blunch or whatever about, you know, he just acts like he likes me, and I know he doesn't. 
you know? And it's just, he's human. These guys aren't idiots. I think in the history of sports, when trades typically happen, you go, it's us against them. You know, whether you guys are trade or not, it's not, no one in this locker room's choice. It's right. management. These guys are going, fuck, LeBron, I'm looking at you. The, the reason Anthony Davis was coming here, why? Because your agent, who happens to be, I don't know, your best friend, went public and tried to get him here. Like, that happened. It's we, We've seen some crazy shit, right, in the last 20 years. Like A-Rod trade and just some weird trades. The Chris Paul, they backed up. We've seen some crazy scenarios. But it, it never really involved players trying to fuck their own team. You know, it's just... This is a it's an all time unique scenario and it tanked it ruined their season. Yeah, it happened and got botched. Like it yeah, wasn't that. handled well. That's the other thing. It's one thing if you're pulling all these moves off, but it got botched badly. Well, but his guy didn't control the situation. That was another part of the problem. I think they thought they just had a lot more leverage than they did. Yeah, and it backfired. And to me, this is you can say what you want about the decision. At the end of the day, he's egotistical, narcissistic, whatever. I think we all have some elements of that to us. Any human does. But I do think it has come out pretty clear. His heart was in the right place for the decision. Do you agree with that statement? So he could raise some money and it was about him. Yeah, I don't I think, think he realized right what it would thing. become. Yeah. No. I, I think he's his heart no longer is ever in the like it just feels like he's a kind of a bad guy. But he tries to keep up I also think he's jumped the shark on in a day and age when social media does really impact people. Like stuff he does goes viral when they lose to like the Cavaliers or the Knicks. And that night he Instagrams a picture of like, God is good. And it's like, he just passed whoever on the assist total list. And everyone that's been through my journey, like LeBron, what are you doing? You're not this. Why are you doing this? Do you do you like that these guys don't like you? Is that what you're trying to make? Maybe you want them to resent you, so it's easier when you trade them that you never friends. I don't know. It's weird. You think he'll go zero dark uh, LeBron for the playoffs this year? From well, home? someone someone said he made an official statement he was going in a playoff mode a week ago yeah. or three, three weeks ago, and since then they've lost the Knicks, the Cavs, the Suns. I mean, they. they it's one thing to like to me. You lose to the Bucks. The Bucks are better. I, I, that wasn't a bad loss. That, to me, that was understandable. But under no circumstances, guy, can you go to Phoenix? I don't care if it's a back-to-back. Is it a fair statement? If Michael Jordan, and people are like, oh, he never played 16 years. Yeah, but if Michael had been 34, and he was, and he was just in year 12 because he played three years in college, had LeBron's ability still, you would have had to kill him before he lost to the Suns. To the Suns. Who, <laughs> you know, the equivalent of the shitty team, right? In a must-win situation. Yeah, in a it, the only chance you can make the playoffs is to win the game. And I think LeBron looks at it like, what's the point even? Who cares? Right. I don't want to go play the Warriors. I, you know, another thing I think he underestimates is he's a huge celebrity. I mean, he's massive. He's one of the most famous athletes ever. But like the teams that he played for, the Cavs were unique, and he kind of had him by the balls because he's clearly the best player. The Heat, he was just kind of a mercenary. He went there, won, got the job done. And well, Dwayne went, Wade was a shield if anything ever got weird with exactly, the Heat Exactly, it's fans. like, exactly. The Lakers, I, I, I was trying to think, you know, 7 million people in L.A., but they got fans. I mean, do you think it's give or take, like, legitimately, like, 30, 40 million fans in America that just consider themselves a Laker fan? 
Yeah, whatever the NBA's fan base is, it's probably twenty percent. Yeah, I mean, it, but I twenty just might be high. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't know quite know the number, but it's astronomical. Yeah, right? the amount of actual just people that if you could go state to state that are sports fans that like basketball that would consider themselves. Yeah, I like the Lakers. I've watched right. the Lakers forever. Right. That the, he's gonna go those people, which they're the one true basketball team to me that really they're because the Knicks fans they just think they suck and it's over the Celtics have won kind of recently and they they haven't really had a you know they've never got a LeBron I mean they got KG but it wasn't even close to this I think he's going to turn the all those 30 million people that a lot of them probably like LeBron and we're obviously super excited to get him are going to hate him because this Simmons said it the other day like this does have the chance this might not be this might be the beginning of the worst parts to come. It might not get better. It could. But it could get way worse cuz these situations have always happened. Like you said the other day when you know Bryce Harper signed, it doesn't just sometimes things just don't work. And you never know it. Like the Phillies could just be a disaster. And it happens every once in a while in sports. It did with the Lakers 5 or 6 years ago when they signed all those guys and it couldn't have gone any worse. But then 3 or 4 years later, it only got worse. It only because then Kobe gets hurt, Dwight leaves. Kobe gets resigned. Kobe gets resigned for you know the highest contract short term in like league history. Nash is back, just breaks, he retires. They're just a disaster. What if LeBron next year breaks an ankle? They don't ever get the the Anthony Davis. It's not like Kuzma and these guys, even though their numbers have kind of gone up, their their value because they're not winning games. A lot of people could view them are they just putting up kind of hollow stats. I don't know if they're going to be viewed as a great trade package anymore. I think Kuzma. I think Kuzma will. Like Kuzma's well, just Ingram's, Ingram's kind of going off right now too. Yeah. Is it, is there a chance like three years is one of the worst domino effects ever? Yeah, it's a great point. And at that point, I mean, is he going to make it that long, or is he getting traded? He's going to send me somewhere. I'm gonna, I'll go do this somewhere else. Well, we were talking. I was talking about it with a couple guys that went to the Kings game with their diehard Laker fans. You go. The Warriors ain't going away. The Rockets ain't going away. The Jazz and Nuggets are young. They're not going away. The Mavericks are actually on the come because of Porzingis and Luka. The game I was at, the Kings and the Clippers, the Kings are only going to get better. The Clippers guy are a playoff lock now. They are more than likely going to add Kawhi Leonard this offseason. So what are they, a 50-win team next year? What, who does LeBron pass? Got to go back like, to the I, East. <laughs> people are tweeting, could he get traded? Well, he would trade himself. That's what would happen. Like to the Knicks? Yeah. Would you do Zion? With Kevin. Yeah, would you do Zion LeBron straight up? What would you need? Zion, Kevin Knox, and a salary filler? I don't think Kevin Knox has been that good this year, but. Uh, um, I played him sometime on the draft. Yeah, he's hit or miss. He's, he's guy's 19. Uh, yeah, if I'm the Lakers, and as, as someone that played him on DraftKings, I, you end up when you play a guy on DraftKings, end up on that team's Twitter because you're like, why isn't this guy playing enough? Nick's Twitter's always gets mad at Fizdale for not playing him enough. You know, it's like, what, what are we doing? You know, if we're gonna lose, develop. <laughs> it's one of those. They, they blame Fizdale a lot for him. Man, I'm wrong. Play, you know, he plays like the Corey Brewer equivalent or something. Right, you know. Right. I, I, I'm getting some joy in this because the Lakers are really maybe the one team that I. I do just kind of dislike, and not even dislike because I do respect, but just 
enjoy needling the fans. Like I don't enjoy doing that with the Raiders. Like you, me and you always say, I wish I was telling guys last night. I think Connor's his name, Diary Raider fan. I wish the Raiders were fucking good. I would. I, the playoffs season was awesome. Like, that's what I want. I don't mind seeing the Lakers win thirty games and just be a disaster. I know, it's it's no fantastic. Other team I, no other team I get that joy of. Just life, <laughs> any sport. They are one team. Like I, it still it still gets the little kid in me out a little bit. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, and, and that feeling, the older you get, I realize people say, you know, you never forget certain. You that feeling makes you feel good. It's like oh, it feels my youth or something. It's funny. I we used I used to hate Kobe as a Kings fan, but then like this is I I loved Kobe's role in this whole thing. You know, me too. The like, shadow of Kobe Bryant hanging over LeBron. Me too. I'm his biggest defender. Going, when LeBron's was, clearly a better player, not even close. <laughs> but this would not. Wouldn't you give Kobe? Kobe was extremely. He's reinvented himself in a fake world. Kobe's Nick Saban leader guy when he was the worst leader in like NBA history, right? He legitimately would tell his teammates at practice, you fucking suck. Like, and it wasn't like a Michael Jordan galvanizing way. It was like, I think he was just legitimately mean to guys. Now, in fairness, some of them did suck, like Smush or whatever. But he wasn't in our lifetime of any top He partly sucked because he, he ate up the salary cap with his contract. Yeah, but remember when he yelled one of his most famous quotes in – in his career was, I think A-Rosh got him walking out saying, Mitch, get me some mother. I- I'm trying to win. Give There's me video. Some- Mitch, what? I can't play with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to win. You give me these guys. But he's LeBron. That, that, that comment wouldn't even be possible. Right. He is. He'd be like, LeBron, I'm trying to LeBron. He'd be talking to himself. And that's what the players know. Like the one thing, if you're whoever on that team, Swaggy P, you know, that Kobe wasn't determining you staying or like you, or you're playing, you know, he was just, he wasn't in charge of that. LeBron is in charge. Right. He's just in charge. It's it's borderline unprecedented, I think, these last two stops. In Cleveland, and Kyrie's kind of gone off the rails, too. Maybe they were just not really meant for each other because they're both kind of nuts. But this situation is just joyless, and Luke's going to get fired, surely. Here's the other thing, guy. They're going to hire Mark Jackson or Jason Kidd or Ty Lue. Like, it's not going to get – It's they, they don't have Phil Jackson walk through those doors. Will LeBron play for Phil? No. Definitely not him because of the posse comment, but – Well, yeah, I just mean – Yeah, he, the equivalent of Phil, I, no. Like, by and large, having the greatest players played for the greatest coaches. Now, maybe yeah. that speaks to LeBron's greatness, but – well, LeBron, unless Spolster goes into the Hall of Fame. Which he will, probably. But Spolster was a good coach before he got there. He's a good coach after. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, by and large, LeBron hasn't played for that guy. The Spolster would be his only one. And they, by far, had the most success. And if Spolster hadn't been backed by Pat Riley and LeBron, like, maybe Spolster never would have survived it if it hadn't been that he was already having success without LeBron. I, I think one mistake LeBron made is that these guys are so caught up in being a CEO and shit. They're, hey, LeBron, you're not 55. I mean, you're going to be able to do that forever. You could have done, like, you could have gone into this, made a conversation if you wanted to make a basketball decision. Like, if you had gone to Philly, let's just say that. Like, think the team would be incredible. As long as they would have had him and Bede Simmons, they could have traded for still, like, Tobias here. Like, they could have been unreal. 
that if you go Durant, even if you win like two in five years or something, at the end of the day, you end up with five. You were talked about, like he's never going to win another one, guy. And he's going to have some resumes where he's like, hey, he missed the playoffs when he was 34, 35, and he was still putting up these crazy numbers. That's insane. He's not going to hurt his legacy, but he's it's made it just peaked. Yeah. Flattened maybe, out. Maybe he tell you he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's what he's saying right now. Well, it's easy to say when you're losing, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care about it anyway. Because you don't work out. I didn't want an A anyway on the test. I didn't Who study. works it? But it's like you don't care about an A if you don't study, right? So it's like, whatever, I got to see. I didn't even study. If you do study really hard and you still get a bad grade, that's always when I was the maddest. Now, granted, that happened very, very rarely, <laughs> the actual studying part. But LeBron spends a lot of time on basketball. John, breaking news. Is it good? Niners have extended Mike Person on a three-year, $9 million contract. That was... Was that a letdown? Uh, yes. Sorry. Because we've had some big... But I, I could tell you weren't that excited when you said breaking news, so I wasn't expecting, you know, uh, Odell Beckham to the Raiders. Well, I just... I re- as I was about to do it, I was like, ah, I feel bad. This is stupid. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had some great Sunday nights. Yeah, I mean, when you just said the word breaking news, I did, you know, the hair on your neck. I know, but then I was like, if I was you, I'd think Antonio Brown just got traded. That's what I kind of thought you were going. But then you you didn't peak quite enough, so I knew it probably wasn't that. And then when you said 49ers, pretty consistently, they just extend guys you've never heard of. So you're like, oh, you know, they extended uh, Guy Williamson. He's their uh, backup long snapper. He's been on the team for five years. I'm like, well, I fucking watched every Niner snap for the last 10 years, last 20 years. I've never heard of this guy. They consistently do that guy, extend players that I have never heard of or really, if I have heard of, know nothing about. And I talk about football for a living. I, I feel like the Niners last four or five years, and this isn't even just a Kyle thing. They've been doing this forever. Like extending the random guy that they clearly just love on the practice squad. Don't they do that? Yeah, the sh- shout yesterday. out to everybody out there covering every Niners transaction because you are doing God's work. God. The Raiders did it yesterday. Like, they've extended. I didn't even know the guy's name. He's just like a rotational guard that started some games last year. They feel very good about it. It's like you realize you just don't know a lot of offensive lineman name if the guy's not an All Pro, or if he doesn't get, or if the fans aren't booing him and we're watching videos of him like Eric Flowers all the time. Yeah, or Jonathan uh, Martin. Right. Do you, you know what's funny though? When I worked in the NFL, the hardest positions. To remember to me was always the fringe guard center. You just don't. It was you know to really because everyone knows like even the Marcel Aitmans because if you played wide receiver at Aitman or whoever you were probably at, even if you were at a smaller school you scored 15 touchdowns for Fresno State or you dominated at Texas Tech or you or the DB oh that guy was you know had the pick six in the game against Texas you might never have heard of the offensive lineman that was also an undrafted free agent. And then if you go to practice, you know they just all kind of blend in together. Like Joe Staley stands out, but the other guys don't. Mayock knows. Mayock does know. That's why I was – that's why, he honestly, he's going to be a fine GM because that shit really mattered to him. It never, guy, mattered to me. I was, I was limited as a scout. But I saw in meetings, you could tell the people in the meetings that it truly mattered to him. I'm like, ah, I'm just not going to be as good as this guy because <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Can I go home and watch the Giants game? I just wanted to watch other shit. That's the other thing. You have to dictate so much of your time for these next couple months. Like, if the Masters is on, do I want to watch, make sure I have the undrafted free agents stacked right on Saturday? Brett Veach does, for sure. How, how he does, 
Like the Bayok will. John Lynch? I don't know. Peters will. Adam loves it. I Middlecoff, no. I'd rather talk to you about LeBron. All right, on that note, holla at your boys. Share the pod. Share the East promo ham. East.com, guy. We're just we're working on a Sunday here. That's right. Love it. Later. Peace. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.